You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Why, why don't you? Won't you please? Had a plan today. Just wanted to try it out. I, I am almost, so I haven't been tracking my episodes for a while. And then uh, Jacob's like, dude, you look like a punk because you don't have like your numbers next to you anymore. He didn't use those words, but I could. I know what he's trying to say. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get caught up. I got like 1,180 episodes, something like that. Anyways, it's always weird when you've never done something before. It's like, I feel like I should have done everything at this point. But then you start thinking through stuff. It's like, no, there's a lot of things I haven't done. But I thought, you know what might be kind of cool today? I'm going to listen to music while I do the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why. It's more of just an experiment that I have no intention of keeping forever because I know it's going to be distracting and annoying. But it's like, I kind of just want to be in like that, you know, get in that mood. It's like, we're, gonna, we're just going to do it, man. Plus... Depending on what we're talking about, you know, like maybe you want to listen to angrier music or calming music or what. I mean, it's it's just a theory, and we're going to test it out today, and I can tell you right now I'm already kind of annoyed by it. Not going great. But the Green Bay Packers did get their first practice against the New York Jets, and um, despite some extremely conflicting reports, the overarching um, theme, at least by people that did overarching themes, is that the Packers dominated the Jets. Now, again, I kept seeing reports all the time about how the Packers are just not having success, and this is looking bad, and everything looking terrible. But then when people did summaries, they're like, dude, the Packers just annihilated the Jets. So, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not there. Plus, there's like a billion things going on at once, so maybe somebody just didn't see all the bad stuff. I don't know. But sounds like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, which shouldn't be surprising, are clearly the better team, but um, far from perfect, I can tell you that. And this music is going to stop right now. I can't even hear what it is because I'm talking the whole time. And it's like, what is that? I don't even know what this song is. What is this song? This song is stupid. I just dropped my headphones on the floor. Come on now. My earbuds. Terrible start to the podcast, I will say. Okay, I think I'm ready to start now, two and a half minutes in. I think, should we get started? Let's get started. Hey, it's better than a football game. Every single game, I get, I get, they, they get me every time. Like, what time's the game start? It's a, new, it's a noon game today. All right, cool. Well, it's not actually noon because now they have like 12-10 games or 12-15 or whatever, but it's like I just see them, I think of them as noon games. But not only that, if it's a 12-05 kickoff, they're not going to kick off till 12-15. And you, I don't need to explain this to you, but it's agonizing waiting. It's not just that day, which has been agonizing. It's the whole week. It's the whole month. It's the whole year I've been waiting for this. 1215. I'll punch you in the face. That's extreme. I apologize. 
Anyways, it does look like that uh, partnership is going to go through. I'm not going to talk about it today because there's still a couple details we need to work out. Um, like, for one, when are we actually starting this thing officially? And uh, when do the prizes go out and all that? But it sounds like it's set in stone, which means, I believe, bi-weekly or so, um, we're going to be doing giveaways, and that's pretty exciting. So again, uh, make sure you're tuned into the podcast to get all the details and those kinds of things. But before we get into the news and notes from uh, training camp for the Green Bay Packers and the Jets, there were some news and notes from around the league, which means basically just the Chicago Bears today. But the bad news, bad luck Bears uh, continues. Apparently, Justin Fields is also injured now. He has a groin injury. Um, The expectation is that it's not super serious, but I guess we'll have to see. Uh, according to this, pulling back as in not practicing. And now Nagy says he's not sure whether quarterback Justin Fields can play Saturday versus the Bills. He describes the Bears' approach as overcautious and doesn't think it's a significant injury. Um, so a couple things. Probably not going to play this Saturday. I would just go ahead and say definitely not going to play. I would just say definitely not going. I mean, the, the Packers are probably not going to play Jordan Love for an injury that we can almost guarantee he could work through. And he's our backup. I would say he's definitely not going to play. The other thing, um, he doesn't think it's significant. Now, I don't know if there's been any further developments, but I don't think it's going to be significant means it might be significant. Just depending on how you phrase that sentence, but the sentence is the same thing. You can add in probably not, but potentially. Now, make no mistake, I, I don't want him to be injured. I absolutely don't. I want to know what the guy can do. If he's the next Pat Mahomes, then let's just, let's just you know yank the tooth. Let's just do it. Let's get it over with. Let's get him out there on the field. Let's see what he can do, and let's put some uh, tread on his tires here. Let's get it rocking. I'm not rooting in any way for an injury, but I got to say, it, it just, the the image that I have of the Chicago Bears compared to the Bears fans' image of the Chicago Bears is a complete 180, and usually I would say that we're kind of in sync, right? Bears are good. I call the Bears good, and they call the Bears good, and we kind of leave it at that. Bears are bad. I call the Bears bad, and they are calling into their AM radio stations screaming that the Chicago Bears are bad and that they should burn the whole stadium down. So we're, again, in agreement on that. This year in particular, I see nothing but a dumpster fire. They refuse to acknowledge their defense has been declining. They refuse to acknowledge that their defense is likely going to take another step back because they now lost their corners and everybody is a year older and they're on their third defensive coordinator in three years. All these different factors. They refuse to acknowledge that their offensive line has completely imploded. They refuse to acknowledge the unhappiness of the players that are there and instead demand that we all focus on the fact that Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins, who, by the way, is going to be out the majority of the year now, I believe, because he just had back surgery. Those two picks were the greatest picks in NFL history. And now that they have a left tackle who was replacing another left tackle that was quite good and a quarterback who we've never seen, but we know are elite, that's all you need. You need Khalil Mack, who had his worst year ever last year, and a great quarterback and great tackle, and you will win Super Bowls forever. That's what they've deluded themselves into. And again, we are not in sync on this one. Generally, I'm with you guys. And again, if we're talking bright future, eh, I could probably get behind that. I mean, I'm not going to fight you on it. Again, I, I, I actually think Pace does a good job drafting. I've said that consistently. He's just too stupid to realize how important drafting is, and he gives away all, gives, gives away all his draft picks, which is great, because then he uses up prime capital and gives away all that potential for great players so that he can go out and get guys like Allen Robinson and uh, Khalil Mack 
and trade up for Justin Fields and trade up for Trev- Tevin Jenkins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Go out and get a ton of free agents, give away all the picks. Who cares about that stuff? Whatever. But um, I did actually just get an update on my phone. Uh, Tevin Jenkins did have successful back surgery. And again, I don't like the Bears. I don't want the Bears to win. And I certainly don't want Bears fans to be happy because they're kind of mean sometimes and we don't get along super great. Aside from the great Bears fans that listen to this podcast, obviously, many of you have got to know over the years, fantastic people. Love you guys. My family, by the way, half of my family on my mom's side, they're all Bears fans. They're from Illinois. So, you know, good people, great people. I don't know if any of them actually live in the state anymore because it's a garbage state, but that's a separate issue. However, again, potential, sure. Potential, future, great team. But, you know, again, I I should just leave it at that. Like, yeah, you guys got a bright future, maybe. The amount of leeway we have to provide to create a path for the Bears to get to be the next great football team is, I mean, if you allow that same amount of leeway, what team doesn't have that potential? You could say, well, look at a team like, I don't know, the Lions, because they don't have a quarterback yet. Well, if all it takes is to draft a quarterback, they're obviously going to draft one probably next year. Well, you don't know if he's going to be any good. We don't know if Fields is going to be any good. So that doesn't count. But, you know, sure, it's a thing that could happen. Could also be the Packers with Rodgers and or Love. Could be the Jets with Wilson. Could be the Jaguars with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Could be the Patriots with uh, Mac. Baltimore seems to be on a pretty good track right now. Buffalo is certainly on a pretty good track. The Vikings, I mean, you know, you want to talk about a quarterback away. Sure, how about them? They get they get to draft one next year, right? But again, yeah, sure. Yeah, great, bright future. Super bright. Going to be great. Nothing to worry about. The only other night, note, uh, speaking of bright future, comes by way of current number one Chicago Bears quarterback Andy Dalton, who said, quote, Justin Fields is going to have a great career, but right now it's my time which I think is a pretty staggering quote, to be completely honest. That's spoken like a guy, I mean, that sounds like something Aaron Rodgers would say, a guy that fully expects to play out this entire year. Justin Fields is talented, he's going to have a great career here, but this is my team, and it's my time now. You don't say that if you're going to play two games and get benched, or three games, or four games. Now, obviously it's not up to him, I'm not saying that he knows anything, I'm just saying It's a heck of a statement that I wouldn't expect to make, especially from a guy like Dalton, who I don't think is much of a tongue slinger. Is that that a phrase? I'm scared to look that up because I won't look it up. Let's forget I said it. Um, I was going with gunslinger, but, you know, he runs his mouth. And tongue and gun kind of sound alike. I'm not going to say lip slinger. That sounds almost as bad, so I don't know. We should move on. We'll move on. It's fine. Um, let's go through the training camp notes first, because some of the press conference notes kind of allude to things that happened and that can be confusing. Again, some of these notes are going to seem conflicting, and because I wasn't there, I can't help you with that, but uh, we're just going to read them as they are and do our best to figure out what exactly all this stuff means. First of all, the guy that we picked up from the Giants, I had JJ, who seems to be my helper with uh, all things names, Send me something that, remember, I was saying, uh, what, Yadam? I'm pretty sure the thing JJ said me said Yadam. And then on Twitter, it w- it's, somebody said it's Yadam. Now, I have seen in the past some people spell Y-E-A-H as yay. Don't do that. Y-E-A-H is yeah. 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 It's not yay. How does A-H make an A sound? Y-A-Y is yay, Y-A is yeah, 
Y-E-A-H is yeah. Just a longer, unnecessary version of Y-A. Just throwing it out there, because I saw, I think my wife has done that before, where she's, <laughs> and it's, it's such a uh, confusing thing when somebody's trying to say yay, and I read it yeah. Guess what? Just got a raise. Yeah. Pfft, fine. Forget you. Y-A-Y. Now, this person, because I don't remember who said it, but they also put it in all caps, D-U-M-B for dumb. So I'm thinking it's just Yatum, but when you spell it in all caps, I'm thinking you really, you know, like when you read pronunciations when it's capitalized, that's where the emphasis goes. So as it's spelled, it's yay dumb, but I don't think it's yay dumb. I'm going to call him Yatum. I don't know. I don't... I'm trying to help you, and I don't know if I'm doing that or not, but um, Yatum seems to be what we're, what we're talking about here, Isaac Yatum. And I'm going to forget tomorrow and just call him something completely ridiculous. Uh, practice was a very long practice. It was two hours and 14 minutes. They got done around 1240. Packers wore all the whites today, which I guess is an unusual thing. I never really thought about it. I don't, some people pay a lot of attention to the jerseys. I really don't. I don't even notice. Like, dude, they're wearing white. Like, well, yeah, don't they have white? Don't they usually wear white jerseys? Like, I've seen them wear white before. It's a pretty common thing. No, man, not on practice. <laughs> Okay, I sure, yeah, crazy. Blowing my mind here. White instead of green. I don't even know what to do with myself right now. Um, there was a little bit of pushing and shoving. I know Aaron Rodgers in the press conference was excited that there wasn't really anything crazy going on. Uh, there was one, there were two times I saw that things got heated. One of them seems like it kind of just went away. The other one didn't really result in a fight, I don't think, but Jared Davis completely laid out Josiah DeGuara on the sideline. By the way that it's typed out here. I'm guessing that if it was a game, it wouldn't, it would have just been a big hit. But when it's practice, you look at that and go, that's completely out of line. Apparently, Devante followed him back to the Jets defensive huddle and was up in his face and all that stuff. But that was about it. And I think that was the last note that I saw. So there was one note where there was kind of just a lot of pushing. And then this happened and it was just Devante getting in his face, which is a little surprising. I mean, you don't want there to be a big fight. And I'm sure there was a lot of talking about like, don't get into a fight or everything. But when you see one of your guys get laid out and you don't have like an offensive lineman charge down there and start swinging, I feel like you're, that's kind of messed up, isn't it? Isn't that like your obligation to go down there and start swinging at the guy? I don't know. Again, I'm not saying it would have been a good thing, but it seems like, you know, if it was Rodgers, that would have happened, obviously. Required. Why? Nobody likes Josiah or what? I don't know. It's kind of messed up. Another little interesting note, uh, James Morgan, quarterback for the New York Jets, actually went to Eshwabanon High School, which is where Lambeau is. I'm assuming very close by, because it's not a big town. So, cool little note for him. Um, there was a man by the name of Brian Costello, and again, this was sort of his takeaway and a few others, but he is a Jets beat writer, I believe for The Athletic, but I'm not entirely sure. His summary was, practice is over. You can definitely tell which team was 13-3 and last year and which one was 2-14. and Again, some of these notes don't seem to make it that black and white, but um, some do. Um, on the injury report front, Dean Lowry is already back. Rashawn Gary was back. Four players not practicing today versus the Jets. Jordan Love, Chris Blair, Vernon Scott, Juwan Winfrey. A.J. Dillon, by the way, was limited with a calf injury. I was actually very nervous because they kept talking about Kylan Hill with the ones and how Aaron, Rod Aaron Jones is hurt. Kylan Hill with the ones, Aaron Jones is hurt. And it's like, where is A.J. Dillon? Is he just... Is he demote? Like, what? I know I keep talking about that, and it's probably silly, but it's like, it's starting to freak me out a little bit now. But then later on, they came out with he has a calf injury. 
Uh, Vernon Scott has a hamstring injury. Um, two injuries during uh, camp, but I think we're going to talk about that in just a second. A couple general offensive notes before we get into the specifics. Four plays for the Packers offense and not sure they gained any yards. Three stuffed runs and a quick pass to DeGuara off play action that went nowhere. Next play, Rodgers fires well low to Tunyon on a rollout. Finally, a nice drive by Dexter Williams with the backups in. So that's how this thing started. Similar note, um, not exactly fireworks from the Packers' number one offense in their first period with the Jets. Bankert leads the number two offense. He threw a pretty deep ball to Funches, but it's barely out of his reach. The Jets' defense is fired up. So again, kind of iffy. The other general offensive note, Packers running a lot of screens today, and they are working this one to Patrick Taylor. I'm guessing, because a lot of the talk was with the Jets, we want you to bring it, right? And Aaron Rodgers talked about, I don't want to see vanilla. and the, the co- Because it's, no, it's not beneficial. Throw your best at us, right? And, and if you're, listen, if it's like a Bears-Packers scrimmage, which there never would be, but they're obviously going to be vanilla because you don't want to give away any of your secrets or whatever. But if it's Jets-Packers, it's like, we're, we're a very uncommon opponent. We very rarely see each other. Let's just throw the kitchen sink at each other and see if we can't make each other better. I'm willing to make you better if you're going to make me better. The Jets probably aren't too worried about the Packers because they're not going to see them in the Super Bowl. And the Packers aren't worried about the Jets because they're just not going to see them. But anyways, my assumption is there was heavy blitz, heavy pressure, and the Packers are like, oh, it's a great time to start working on screens because that's how we're going to get out of this. And they just started doing it, and there was a lot of success. Some quarterback notes, Rodgers reminding everyone just how much it sucks to play against him, getting the ball out before the Jets' defense has a prayer, first down to Adams over the middle, quick hitter to EQ on a slant, quick slant to Adams for a big gain, hashtag dealin'. Banker throws short to Equinemius on uh, on a nine, I'm guessing that's a nine route, which is a go route, somebody running a straight line, not positive though. Uh, should have probably been picked, so that's why I put that for the quarterback, because that's not great. Bankert has not done very well. And I hate that I keep bringing that up because I know he's very well liked, but it is what it is. I'm noticing a trend here. He did not play super well in the preseason game. He has not had super great notes in training camp. Seems like every time he goes out there, you just get a blip of him and it's like a pick. <laughs> it's, I know that what that literally was one note for Benkert one of these training camp days. He came out and threw a pick. He probably did more than that, but that was the only note I saw about Benkert all day. And then again, the first one I see here, he throws a short pass to EQ. I shouldn't say short pass. He threw short, so it was underthrown, and that should have been picked. So not great. Next note says, Rodgers was on fire early, but missed a couple recently. Fires far wide to Adams. Could have been a miscommunication between the two. Now Rodgers misses Adams over the middle again. Adams and 12 not on the same page today at all. uh, Don't normally see Rodgers miss Adams by that much two plays in a row. Both times Adams was wide open, too. Once in the left flat, once past the chains down the middle. Jordan Love has come out to watch the end of joint practice with the Jets after presumably rehabbing inside. And finally, good series in two. Benkert with one scare on a near interception. Six of seven for 75 yards. End two minute with a three-yard touchdown pass to EQ. Climbs a pocket to fit in. So that final drive sounds like it was a pretty good drive. Minus a near interception again. But uh, again, Aaron Rodgers kind of having an iffy day. It wasn't just, I believe I got some notes later too in the wide receivers, but it wasn't just this. He also uh, missed to Lazard and some other people, I think. Rodgers was just missing a lot. And there was some talk about possibly it's the Jets defense that was kind of throwing him a little bit, you know, because remember, you got the wide receiver and the quarterback are making reads once you get to the line of scrimmage. These are not static play calls. You play, you call a play, they go stand out there and then they run that route. 
based on what the defense does, and it might even be the same route, but it, the angle changes, right? If you're going to run, a, let's say, a post, do you go in front of the safety, behind the safety, you know, that kind of stuff? What angle are you running at? Changes depending on where guys are standing, and if the Jets' defense is kind of doing some stuff, diff- people are seeing different things. You're going to have different results. Or Rodgers just had a bad day. And again, it's important to say these notes for perspective, because if this was Jordan Love, it would be all over SportsCenter, ESPN, Bears fans, Packer fans. This guy's trash. He missed like seven guys. Terrible day for Jordan Love. It's Rodgers, and we all know, oh, well, Rodgers is good. This is just training camp. It doesn't mean anything. Right. And that's true anytime things like that happen. Wide receiver notes, Rodgers dart to MVS over the middle for 15 yards. MVS just went deep on a go route. Aaron Rodgers dropped a ball down the right sideline between Jets cornerback Blasson Austin and safety Sherrod Neesman for about 30 yards. Marquez Valdez Scantling is easily having his best camp, showing great hands just now when he high-pointed a 40-yarder from Rodgers against good coverage by Jets cornerback Bless Austin. Pretty sure that's Blasson is what it's shortened to be. Rodgers is dealing now. EQ on a quick slant for a nice gain. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams picking the Jets apart with underneath slant routes, rinse and repeat. Rodgers and Lazard not on the same page. There's that note. Nice catch by Amari on a throw that was slightly behind him from Benkert. Red zone period ends with Benkert rolling right, firing a laser to Amari Rodgers in the front right corner of the end zone for a touchdown. Little smoke screen to EQ blowing up because Begleton couldn't maintain his block on the corner. Not great. Devin Funches just pulled up lame on the sideline after a catch. He grabbed his left hamstring, walking it off on the Packers' sideline with the training staff now. Banker to Begleton, 8-yardish pickup. Uh, Rob Domofsky saw Devin Funches get carted inside the Hudson, the Hudson Center. Rodgers with a bullet to MVS in the seam for 15 in two minutes. Clocks, with, uh, clocks it with 19 left at the New York Jets' 33-yard line. Coverage breakdown, Rodgers Rogers lofts the ball to MVS for a 33-yard touchdown. So just so you know, just let's pause here for a second. And there's only two plays that are listed here. I'm guessing there must have been more. He threw a 15-yard bullet in two minutes and clocked it with 19 seconds left. There had to have been a lot of plays prior to that, but so there's 19 seconds left. They're at the 33-yard line. The next play, Rodgers hits MVS for a 33-yard touchdown. Back-to-back plays, a 15-yard pass and a 33-yard pass combining for a touchdown. MVS is going off, and I I talked about this a week ago or whatever it was. I have not been very high on MVS at all. Um, He just seems like a guy that, you know, some games he shows up and he has that one big play or maybe two big plays if if he's feeling a little froggy, but he's never been a consistent threat. He's never been that guy that just always is scaring you down the sideline. He's had drop issues. There's been some issues with Rodgers and he just not being on the same page. And maybe it's Rodgers' fault, just not being able to gauge his speed or whatever the case may be. But he's never been a consistent asset for this team. He's been there consistently. He's never been a consistent asset the way Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams and some other guys have been. And so a lot of people are thinking he's going to break out just because he's tall and fast. And I think that's silly because that's no way to judge a football player. Just because he's tall and fast doesn't mean he has to be great at anything. There's a lot of guys with 4-3-9 speed or whatever it is that are terrible football players and it never materializes because you can't just be fast and dominate. That's not how that works. And yes, he's had one good play here and there. So what? Geronimo Allison was the same thing. You get a couple good plays here and there and everyone expects this big breakout and it never comes. And that was my expectation with MVS as well. And it may still be that way, but there's no question that this has been one of the most impressive players in training camp, bar none. And I don't remember MVS getting this much praise, especially when you see things like great hands and just play after play and just the rhythm. I talked about that with Tunyon too, where 
they just seem to be in sync. Like, it just works. Some of the other guys, you know, he throws to Deguara, and it's this is like a new thing, and it's kind of cool, and it's kind of crazy, and it's a little clumsy, but it's kind of nice because it's like, oh, that's a nice wrinkle. I like that. But with Tunyon and Devontae and Aaron Jones and these guys, it's just it's just a thing that just works. You know, it just it's just automatic, and it kind of feels like they're in they're in a rhythm. And then I don't have to tell you how dangerous the team will be and how dangerous MVS can be if he can turn that corner to instead of just being a guy that hits him once in a game, he's just a consistent deep threat. That is incredibly valuable for any team to have that threat, especially though the Green Bay Packers, who already have the scariest offense in football, to add a a consistent speed threat. They've always had MVS, but not a consistent down-the-field threat. I'm still leaning toward he's not going to super break out. Maybe he'll have a slightly better season, but again, it just, you know, I, the, I keep doubting it, and he just keeps coming back and having better and better days. Finally, Benkert leads the twos on a touchdown drive in two minutes as well, capped off with a touchdown to EQ. Nice pocket presence by Kurt on the play. I think I already mentioned that, but I wanted to throw in a note for EQ specifically. Running back notes. Running back Kylan Hill gets to start with the number one offense, which gives you an idea what they think of him. Aaron Jones only taking part in individuals. Again, this is where I was starting to think to myself, where the heck is Dylan? What are you talking about? But um, it is kind of crazy. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, and I'm always... Brady mentioned this when he was on that, you know, podcasters and that are always the pump the brakes, brakes kind of guys, generally anyways. If 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 there was just general hype about this seventh round pick that we got and how great he's going to be, I would probably just roll my eyes, knowing full well that it's possible but unlikely. The fact that he's come in and since day one, he has been unquestionably, unquestionably the number three running back. Like it's not even close is staggering to me. It really is. And, 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 you know, nothing is officially set in stone, but it's it's so cemented, and I'm shocked at just how comfortably in third place this guy is. And it has to get you excited because the Packers, especially when they don't have to, right? If we drafted, let's just say we drafted a linebacker in the first round, he's probably going to be playing week one because you're a first-round draft pick and we picked you, and maybe you're not ready, maybe you don't fully understand things. I don't care. You're a first-round pick. You're going out there. If Kevin King wasn't around... Stokes would be out there, right? Josh Meyer, second round pick, he's out there. Elton Jenkins, second round pick, he's out there. Uh, you you kind of push if there's a spot open. But in, in a case like this, where we have Aaron Jones, who's a top flight running back, AJ Dillon, who's a second round pick and, and a quality player, there's no reason why you can't just be like, Kylan looks good, but we're just going to kind of let him simmer and just kind of see how it goes. And, you know, Dexter, because of his seniority, we're going to consider to be the number three and we'll just kind of let it go. But secretly, we're looking at Kylan sideways a little bit like, dude, this guy is pretty freaking good, man. No, they're just like, no, he is, he's number three. He's just three. It's unorthodox. And it's the fact that it's so unorthodox for the Green Bay Packers to do this that leads me to believe they really, really like him. And that gets me a little bit excited. I don't know how much usage he's going to get in this backfield, but injuries happen. You never know. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we never see the guy because we don't need to because Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are so freakishly dominant. It would just be silly to even take those guys off the field for a second. But I'm a little excited anyways. Hill with a nice run, and we have a very brief, very mild skirmish. Kylan Hill with a wow run, just cuts in an absolute dime. He's so fun to watch. Kylan Hill gets pitch right and does the rest himself for about 10 yards. That dude is quick. These are all just the next notes in line. So again, it's not just that he's out there. It's that every time he's out there, people are like, dude, this guy's good. And, and you know, sometimes it's there's a little bit of a groupthink element to it when there's a lot of buzz around somebody. Or, you know, it could be a first-round pick or this, that, or the other. It doesn't matter. You're probably generally going to be a little bit more like, ooh, wow, ooh, ah. But still, 
I mean, it's a 10-yard run. You can't fake that. Packers got the ground game going here. Hill with a couple, Williams with a couple, Amari on a jet sweep. Jets not proving much resistance. This must have happened a little bit later on because you remember that first note we had where the Packers couldn't move the ball at all. Aaron Jones is running off to the side during team, but Dylan has yet to take a team snap either. All Hill, Dexter, and Taylor so far. Hill shows off natural hands. He's been great with the ones today. Rodgers has no hesitation looking his way. That's another unbelievably important thing. Rodgers has to trust a guy. And if Rodgers is happy to turn and, and sling it to him, that's incredible. Beautiful series of cuts by Patrick Taylor, who reverses field and picks up 15-plus on a run. Gorgeous run. A.J. Dillon didn't do any teamwork today. Calf injury that is mostly precautionary. Bankert hits Dexter Williams in the right flat for a big game. It's, it's kind of too bad because I think Dexter has had a good camp, but uh, just not, not quite good enough, I would say. I mean, if it wasn't for these other two guys also doing well, you, you could make a case for Dexter, but I don't know how you do that at this point. Tell you what, we're about a half hour into this. Why don't we go ahead and take a break here, and we'll just pick up right where we left off. We'll go through the rest of the offense. We'll go through the defense and special teams, and then we'll look at these press conferences and a little bit of notes that we have there, and we'll call it a day. Thank you very much to uh, Mr. John. Might have said thank you to John already, but thank you very much to John Kern for jumping in on Patreon. I really do appreciate that. And thank you very much to Dennis Dockery for your donation to the Palmer Home. That puts us over $2,000 we alone have raised for the Palmer Home. I really do appreciate that. If you'd like to give to the Palmer Home for children, you can check out my Twitter page. It'll be pinned to the top as well as in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, pinned to the top as well there. If you'd like to support the podcast directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a handful of tight end notes today. Screen to DeGuara wasn't perfectly executed, but the blocks were good, and DeGuara picked up nice yardage. Rodgers with an absolute dime to Tunyon in the corner of the end zone. Ball was thrown before Tunyon even made his break. Mosley in coverage. Banker to Sternberger over the middle. Another big collision, and the ball pops loose. Definitely more contact today than we've seen. Along the offensive line, uh, Packers open up with Runyon and Newman as guards, so Newman's still getting that shot. Dennis Kelly, false start. He hasn't been super impressive since coming to Green Bay, which is really surprising to me. Um, I really expected more out of him coming from Tennessee. He's got experience with that whole thing. He's a veteran. He's a good football player. It's just it's just not working out. I, he's, I don't think he's going to be around very much longer. Uh, the Packers seem to be giving rookie fourth-rounder Royce Newman every chance to win the right guard job over Lucas Patrick. Dennis Kelly stays down for a bit after getting banged up. Music turned down and some players take a knee. He's limping off on his own. Takes a lot to knock that big fella out. John Runyon Jr. and rookie Royce Newman have consistently been starting left guard, right guard, respectively today. Lucas Patrick, who dropped from the first team right guard, is snapping as the center in two-minute drill. Jake Hansen, who was drafted as a center, is the right guard. Uh, Second offensive line, Nyman, Braden, Patrick, Hansen, and Van Lannan. So, I wouldn't take that as good news if I'm Lucas Patrick or Jake Hansen when they take you off your position and say, let's try you somewhere else. Because to me, it means this isn't working, right? You're not going to be that guy. Let's see if you can do something else, right? Is versatility your thing? Because that's also important to us. It just feels like you got one foot out the door. We need you to, we need you to prove something to us here. Just, just my thought. Could be completely wrong about that. Couple general defensive notes uh, in first team period. Quick tally shows the defense won 10 of 16 on third down. This is for the Green Bay Packers. Preston, Stokes, and Kiki each had sacks. Thanks to some of the Jets uh, guys who were there, we got a breakdown of Zach Wilson's plays. Basically, every one of his throws, I believe, in the first period or whatever. Pass to Herndon was incomplete. Pass to Herndon, complete. Next pass, incomplete, complete. A throwaway, complete, sacked, dropped, complete, sacked, incomplete, and a scramble. Not bad if you're the Packers' defense, I would say. Now, there's no details on how deep some of those passes were, but overall, that's a pretty solid outing for the Packers' defense. Um, Then we got sort of the same thing again, but I guess different, I don't know. Just starting offense, given two series to drive the field. The first drive, screened to Davis for a short gain. Coleman, no gain. Wilson passed bad at the line under pressure. So that one flopped. Second attempt, first down run by Coleman, no gain by Coleman, sack and sack. Back-to-back sacks. Now, I believe they did have referees there, so it's, you know, normally in these practices, a quote-unquote sack, you just kind of play through it and go on with it. These guys are blowing whistles saying, oh, you're down. I remember uh, Rodgers at one point was actually really mad about a whistle that got blown, thinking he didn't get sacked. But anyways, Packers defense holds against the Jets offense in red zone. And then finally, this is via Brian Costello again, Zach Wilson was quote-unquote sacked seven times unofficially. He was 12 of 23, and two of the incompletions were drops. So we'll call it 12 of 21. Not great. Lots of sacks. Um, I have a comment, but I'll wait until we get to that point. A couple defensive tackle notes. Jack Heflin bats down a James Morgan pass at the line of scrimmage. Kingsley Kiki would have had a sack just now in dime in the two minutes. So when he says would have, it means he got a sack. Edge notes, Preston Smith having a good day in the defensive side of the field versus Becton. Jonathan Garvin just ran past Becton for a sack. Didn't know if I've ever seen that before. Outside linebacker Rashawn Gary not participating in this period either. So the note that I wanted to mention, 
Mackay Becton, who the Jets drafted, who um, very, very, very unbelievably highly touted, very good football player, that whole thing. He actually did a good job uh, last year as a tackle. Been some pretty terrible notes. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him, but I've seen some things from the Jets camp that he has just been terrible. So as much as I would love to just give Preston Smith some credit here, and uh, somebody mentioned that he thinks that he got three sacks in this game. I don't think he did, but maybe he did. I don't know. Well, let's see. We, we know Preston. So if Preston had three, Jonathan Garvin would be four. We know Kiki got one. We know Stokes got one. Yeah, maybe it's possible. But the fact that it was followed up by Jonathan Garvin getting a sack, and then the next note being, I don't think I've ever seen that before, just tells you how bad Mekhi Becton has been, or as I affectionately like to call him, Mekhi Becton. So yeah, kudos to our guys, but at the same time, they're just picking on a guy that's just having a terrible camp, and that's why guys that generally don't do very well for us are suddenly having great days. One linebacker note says Devondre Campbell would be such an important piece for this defense. His coverage ability could keep them in true nickel more this year. He's done plenty of dropping in camp. Now, this is an observation not based on what they've seen, but what they assume. Uh, again, whichever reporter this was is believing that he's a great coverage linebacker. I don't know where he's getting that from. I hope it works out. I hope with Joe Barry that something clicks with these guys. As I've said, with Burks, something seemed to have gotten unlocked. With Ty Summers, something seems to have gotten unlocked. Maybe Devondre is going to be a great fit for this defense. I'm excited about it, the whole thing. But the idea that he's historically been a good... And by the way, this is the exact, 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 exact same thing we did with Christian Kirksey last year. Exact same thing. The only thing is we added the caveat, when he's healthy, he's a great linebacker, which as I told you on this podcast a thousand times, that's not true. He's never actually been a great linebacker. That's made up. That's fake. Now we're doing it with Devondre talking about how he's this great coverage linebacker. He's literally never been a great coverage linebacker ever. He's never been a good linebacker, period, in his career. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds mean, but I just, I don't like that we keep doing this. With his coverage ability, this defense is going to be so dominant. We can be in dime. We can be in nickel. We can do whatever we want all the time because this dude's just a dominant coverage guy. If you want to say he's been doing a good job in training camp so far in coverage, fine. Don't say that we're going to be able to do this because he just is inherently a good coverage linebacker because he's not. I hope that he can be. I hope that it works out, and this is a great year, just like I hope it's a good year for MVS. I hope it's a good year for Burks. I hope it's a good year for Summers. I hope it's a good year for all these guys. I hope Rashawn breaks out and whatever. Hope Myers has a great year. Heck, I hope Kevin King has a great year. Maybe he just breaks out this year. Stokes lights a fire just like Love did for Aaron Rodgers, and Kevin King is the third best corner behind Jair and some other random dude. That'd be great, but it's not based on any real information. It's just wishful thinking. Certainly not based on anything he's done in the past. Sorry, Kevin. I shouldn't, I, I'm always picking on Kevin King. I think it's just because everybody kind of understands what I'm saying and there's not a whole lot of debate anymore. Speaking of cornerback notes, Eric Stokes is taking uh, one cornerback reps, the one cornerback reps in team opposite Alexander Green Bay being smart with King. So King's still not really getting the reps. Eric Stokes uh, would have decleated Zach Wilson on a corner delayed blitz. That's the other thing I love about having such fast corners. We got Kevin, we got Stokes. My daughter is just freaking out upstairs. We got Jair. They all have, they've got some speed. And uh, you start bringing these guys on blitzes and, you know, they can get there pretty quick. A very cool note here. Two third and goal passes at Alexander, two breakups. So (laughs) it's it's very rare that you see a 100% pass breakup on more than one pass. But yeah, they threw at him twice and he broke up both of them. That's pretty awesome. 
Wilson attacks Stokes down the field to Keelan Cole. Stokes was step for step but didn't get his head around. Cole had a chance at it but falls incomplete. Hey, I'll give him half credit for that one. I think they might be kicking the baby upstairs. I'm not sure. She is screaming bloody murder. Don't kick the baby. How many times I gotta tell you guys? I'm kidding. We don't we don't kick the baby much. Wilson throws it deep to Corey Davis. It was a okay throw. These are writers. I don't understand. I know it's Twitter and you want to hurry and all that, but it was a okay throw, but Davis was locked by Jair. By the way, I want to give one shout out. Of all the guys that I follow, and I've got a huge pool of the, the blue checkmark guys that go to camp, and again, thank you to all of them um, helping me with all this stuff. If there's one guy, if you said, you know what, you're banned from following all of them, you can only follow one. And he's not the most detailed, and he's probably not, or I shouldn't say he's not the most detailed, he probably is. He's probably not going to give you the best play-by-play. I think Herman does a real good job with, like, shooting out. He'll do one tweet with, like, seven plays on it. But as far as just my favorite tweets, because it's actually detailed and it tells you what happened, and we're not just trying to shoot out the quickest tweet, I want to be the first one to just throw out some nonsense that's written in Arabic, and it just, I don't know what any of this means, and it's not English, and it's silly, and it's a half sentence, and it's missing a ton of detail. And like I said, I'll, I'll very often take that note and then end up deleting it when Ryan Wood's tweets come out. He'll take a little bit more time, so you'll see notes from all these other guys about this one play, and I'll end up deleting all of them and just taking Ryan Woods because it's just, it takes a minute to write down who did what, when, with who, how many yards, who was in coverage, what was it, all that stuff. So again, if you got to follow one person, and it's, it's, I guess it just depends what you want, um, but I, I always, if there's, if there's seven people doing one play, 95% of the time I'm going to take Ryan Woods' tweet. Just saying. That's just, that's just the way that I, I like his tweets. One safety note, Adrian Amos nearly missed a pick. He jumps out on an uh, out route versus Jets. Tight end Chris Herndon in the end zone during red zone drills, and Zach Wilson pass smacks him in the hands. That's Adrian's hands. Special teams notes, Mason Crosby right down Broadway from 54 and 56. Seven of nine in period. I think he missed from 41 and 51. Other special teams notes, Packers Jets doing special teams drills, practice blocking and gunning for punt returns. Best reps so far were Ento, Daphne, Stokes, and Tippa. Daphne is killing it in special teams drills. Absolutely awesome rep from Dominique Martin also. Mentioned Pavilion in my roster projection this morning. That was, uh, I think I copied somebody's retweet of their own thing, but more detail on that was that he was doing very well on special teams. That's why it's here. So a lot of guys doing good in special teams, and that's that's a good thing. Maybe it's just because the Jets are garbage. I don't know, but um, I'm happy with it. If we're even better than the Jets, that means we're not dead last, so that, that'd be great. I'll take that. Shifting over to the press conferences, a couple notes from Mr. Matt LaFleur. Packers coach Matt LaFleur says Jordan Love threw a little bit Tuesday, but not practicing today. I think we'll test him again, but you probably will not see him in any practice reps. He says Saturday's availability is still to be determined. Goes on to say the joint practices are great from a competition standpoint. Fresh faces to go up against also different players, techniques, different systems. LaFleur says Royce Newman will get an opportunity to run with the ones today. Obviously, we already saw that. LaFleur wants the Jets to throw the kitchen sink at Rodgers and company from a pressure perspective. So there you go. That's what I was talking about. Will be a good test for anybody to face the scheme without a bunch of meetings to prep for it. LaFleur on Yatum. Big physical corner. We'll try to get him up to speed as soon as possible. Expects him to practice, which he did. Matt LaFleur says he sent Robert Sala the downs and distances for team drill, and it's up to him to match his defensive personnel. 
His brother, Jets offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, did the same for the Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry. So there's a significant element of surprise to react to in these joint practices. I, I, I've made it fairly clear that I do like the joint practices. I fully understand the dangers of it, and I understand Aaron Rodgers' objection to it. I just I do think it's very beneficial, and I think it's cool to be able to mix it up, especially when, and, and Rodgers alludes to this, when they really do make it complicated for you and guys are actually learning and growing and all those kinds of things. The fights and all that are not super beneficial, but if you can just keep it clean and to the point where it's just, again, game planning for another team that does stuff that you don't see every day in practice, it's going to be good for you. Yeah, you can you can pick on Stokes. You know his weaknesses and Devontae's strengths. I get it. That's old news. Anyway, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he says, quote, it's good to have these guys in. I got to see Josh Johnson. I haven't seen him in a while. It was a good day. Said he enjoyed catching up with Greg Van Roten, too. Greg Van Rotten. He's talking about the Jets guys that were coming in and all that kind of stuff. Um, apparently, though, he was told ahead of time by Tom Fanning, whoever that is, don't go scorched earth about joint practices. And he said, I'm trying my best. So in other words, he's still not happy about it, but he's trying to be somewhat positive and optimistic. And he did see some silver lining. And believe me, if this was like the Houston Texans where it was A, a vanilla defense, which he goes on to talk about is what they did and was what part of the reason he was upset, and B, a group of guys that are just out for blood, he would absolutely go scorched earth and would not care what anybody thinks about it. So the fact that he's basically just saying positive stuff, he saw some positive in it. He might still be against it, but he saw the good in it and he knew it was a good day today. Aaron Rodgers says the Jets were anything but vanilla in today's practice. Robert Sala's defense gave the Packers offense a good look. Rodgers didn't like joint practices versus Houston because it was so vanilla. It was not vanilla today. Rodgers uh, on Packers offensive line. Up front, we've got to clean some things up for sure. There's definitely some jobs to be won. Aaron Rodgers says there's a different type of respect between the Packers and Jets because of the coaching, coaching staff connections, allowing the two teams to get more out of joint practice sessions while not allowing things to get too chippy. And I think this is a great perspective, and you can call me a liar if you want, but this is a, the exact thought I had. As soon as I remembered, it's Salah and Matt's Matt LaFleur's brother, who are over there with the Jets right now. Because again, the camaraderie means it's not just an element of let's get two guys, two groups of guys together that hate each other and want to kill each other. But we don't want to show each other anything. And we're not actually going to try to help each other grow. We're just going to put out vanilla nonsense and that's going to be it. But it's it's joint smashing into each other stuff. No, this is two groups of guys that are, again, like I said, we want to help you get better if you're going to help us get better. And a lot of teams right now are doing joint practices, and it's for a good reason. And I think there should be some kind of an overall agreement on this. You know, if you've got three teams you're going up against, you need to find a team that's willing to do what the Jets are willing to do. It's not just, you know, we're going to come there, or you're going to come here, and we're going to go into this blind. You bring your guys out, and we'll see how it goes. No, there's a plan in place to where you have a mission here, and your mission is to help us grow, and our mission is to help you grow. And we're going to throw some stuff at you to help prepare you for X, Y, and Z, and you're going to throw some stuff at us to help us prepare for A, B, and C, and that's how this is going to go. And if we can agree to that, let's do it. Roger said being third year in the system has really made a difference in his performance at the start of camp. He said he's been efficient, and it's different from the previous year when he was grinding through all the offseason changes that were made in the scheme. So I thought that was a really good note just from the standpoint of, you know, again, remember Aaron Rodgers is a veteran and he's extremely intelligent. If there's anybody that can pick up something in just a year, it's Aaron Rodgers. The fact that he's in year three and he's looking at it going, yeah, I'm, I'm much better in the system in year three than I was in year two and obviously in year one really speaks volumes to, first of all, the year three leap that we keep hearing about, but also just how... You know, I just talked about the Bears with three different defensive coordinators in three years. It matters. We can pretend it doesn't if we want to, but of course it does. 
these systems, all these systems kind of work to a point, but it's a matter of it has to work together. Everything has to work together or the, the system doesn't operate. You know, I mean, you can have an electric engine or a gas engine, you can have a diesel engine, all these different things. But if it's missing a component, it doesn't work at all. And you can't mix and match. I mean, you can do, obviously, 50-50, but you can't build an actual hybrid. You know, I've got a diesel engine, and I don't really know anything about cars, especially electric cars, but something out of this Tesla and just plug it into this diesel engine, and it'll probably be good enough. No, it's a system. A diesel engine is a system, and it has to work within a full-fledged system. I wish I could think of a better example. Just, I mean, it's a, it's a great example. I just, I don't know anything about about cars. But you get the point, right? It 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 ha- a diesel engine has to be a 100% diesel engine and it needs all of the parts for that system to work. It's not a hybrid. It's not doing a little bit of what diesel does and a little bit of what, you know, electric does, a little bit of what solar does if that's even a thing, you know. No, those are completely different and they're full systems and they they all work to varying degrees and they all have different benefits and and negative attributes but it has to be total and complete. And in order for this full system to come together, you got to have the right guys and all these guys need to understand. And, and again, it doesn't even need to be the best of the best guys, but we need everybody on the same page and everybody needs to understand. Now we're just talking about the quality of the components, but we got to get the build. We got to have all the components in place, which means everybody needs to understand. Then we can start working on improving the quality of the component, what kind of materials we're going to use or whatever. So again, it's just perspective to hear Aaron Rodgers say, yeah, year three is, is helping me. That's just crazy. This stuff takes a lot of time, you know, why? And, and yet Jordan loves a bust because, because of, I don't know, a bad throw in preseason. Like, jeez, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers says he was with David Bakhtiari and Randall Cobb on Friday night. They had a conversation about Clay Matthews. Conversation turned into getting Matthews on FaceTime. He says they didn't even talk ball. There hasn't been a big push to sign Matthews, Rodgers said. Again, this has always been fairly obvious to me. I'm assuming most people are kind of on board with this at this point, but for anybody thinking that they genuinely want to get Clay Matthews or are trying to get Clay Matthews, that was never a thing. Aaron Rodgers on center Josh Myers said he had a rough day today. He did mentally. I don't think he was as sharp as he has been. Tomorrow I expect him to bounce back. Rodgers says Myers has been very impressive overall. Also, Corey Lindsley has told him to not be so nice to Myers. Aaron Rodgers says he isn't looking at 2021 as just getting through the season. He's going to enjoy this fall just like he did 2020. Why did he think last season might be the last Packers season? He said, quote, I just knew when the pick was made that the clock had started. Aaron Rodgers said, I don't want a farewell tour. I don't know what's going to happen after this season, but I'm going to enjoy it with the right perspective. As far as the crackdown against taunting, he said, it's such a subjective call. Every situation is not objective. Oh, that's taunting. And yes, he said, oh. So Rogers is officially a Wisconsinite now with the Ope, which by the way, I, I don't think I've ever actually said Ope. At least it's not pronounced that way, the way I say it. I don't know. I'm only bringing it up because it's become such a Wisconsin stereotype. And obviously there's so many big personalities that talk about Ope now and how that's like a big Wisconsin thing. Everybody says Ope, Ope. And I think it's just the accent that turns it into more of an Ope. Like if you got that up north, the up north thing, you know, yadder, hey. But for me, it was always like a shortened version of whoops. Like you're about to walk into somebody. It's like, oop. It's an oop, not an ope. I don't know. That's just me. Oop, my bad. I don't think I've ever said oop, my bad. Maybe I have. I don't know. I just, it's, everybody's like, oh, everybody says ope. It's like, I, I've never said ope. Who says ope? I don't know. Just, just musings. Adrian Amos also came to the uh, podium. A couple notes here. Packers safety said it's a good sign when you have a lot of players in the secondary around the ball. 
He said it was the case today, although he took the blame for not intercepting the pass he got his hands on. It's been the case all through camp. That is very, very exciting um, when you got guys just swarming the ball. Now, that could be a guy that already has the ball in his hand. And, and a swarming defense is like my favorite thing in the world. All the best defenses in the world always look like there's 17 guys on the field. No matter where you go with the ball, there's three guys tackling, and then the rest of the defense is there a second later to help secure the tackle. Swarming is incredible. Now, and that could also be when the ball's in the air, there's three guys coming in here to get it. Now, speed helps a lot with that. Um, intelligence has a lot to do with that. If you put yourself in the right position and you start running early, right, you're reading it, you're reacting to it. It's like I've said several times, speed is it starts upstairs first. If your processing speed isn't up to par, doesn't matter if you've got 4-2 speed. The guy that doesn't hesitate and just starts running is going to get there first. If you're stopping and thinking and reacting after the after the fact, it's already too late. Anyways, final note there. Uh, Adrian, on this group of DBs, quote, I think this is one of our more talented secondaries. Very competitive. We've got a lot of guys that can go. There's not too many people I'm worried about if they have to go into the game. I don't think you can disagree with that, especially considering how bad it's been for, for so long. Um, and, and he doesn't have a very big sample size. He's only been here a couple years. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a solid group, man, especially when you consider the growth of Savage, uh, the growth of Jair. Adrian is, is having some of his best seasons. And then you got King with Stokes and you've got, uh, you know, a couple guys that are competing for some spots that are not even necessarily dire like in the slot. So um, not a perfect group, but it's, I, I think it's a fantastic defensive back room. Uh, Yadam was teammates with A.J. Dillon and Isaiah McDuffie at Boston College. That's kind of a cool note. Also friends with Josh Jackson. They were drafted both, as I talked about yesterday, they were both corners in the same draft class. Um, he said they spoke after the trade yesterday, both agreed to help each other out with anything they needed as they adjusted to the new defenses on the fly. So that'll be kind of cool as you, you know, you got Josh Jackson, that'll be on the phone, kind of helping him through some stuff as well as everybody else and the coaches and all that. Again, I don't really expect much out of them, but, um, I don't know. Interesting note. Anyways, I do have to get going here. You folks have yourselves a wonderful, lovely, fantastic, glorious, and beautiful day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have yourselves a good one. Bye-bye.